So um, I always meant to do this, but I'm doing it now. Uh, for a few months already, there's a, a very close friend, family friend of my family that I grew up with, who was, um, who was one of the teachers and one of the members of the synagogue and, uh, that I grew up in. And he's been in a coma for like three, three four months already. And uh, he's very close to me. There were times where I thought he looked very much, looks very much like my dad. So there were times where I would come out of synagogue and I'd hold his hand thinking it's my dad. So when I was a little kid. So I'm doing this class tonight for his healing. It should be a healing for him. His name is Shmuel Chaim Ben Aisha. They added a name to him, Chaim, which means life because they're praying that he should, uh, he should be able to come back to life and wake up again, uh, even though doctors say, uh, you know, what they say. But we as Jews believe that there's always hope. And I'm, I've seen that with my own eyes, where someone was considered as, uh, that's it, done, take off the machines. And um, that person lived for another four months afterwards. Maybe I'll mention him because it's going to tie into the talk today. But anyway, there was, there was someone that I met like that in the past. So we hope that he has a full healing amongst everyone else. Anyone else who does need a healing, may they have it. And uh, people shouldn't know any pain. This should also be in, in memory of the, uh, the newly married uh, soul that was killed in Israel. I forgot what his name was. Eli Kay. Uh, a young man and is six months married and was brutally killed on a path that I have walked on many times, right by the age building. Um, in the old city. In the old city, yes. And it's, uh, it's terrible and we should know, no one should know any pain and, and the Jewish people, they, they're making a mistake. You know, the Talmud says that one of the reasons that the Jews are spread around the world is that if, even if they think they can stop us, and they're like, dude, you know, Hitler, you tried, but you know, you, you ain't gonna succeed because we're all over the place. You know, we're, the Jews are everywhere. So, one of the reasons that we need pazel ben umot spread around the world, besides for spreading a light, is so that even if some say, oh, we'll try and stop you, you ain't gonna succeed because we're everywhere. So, haha. <laughs> okay, so. Um, so I do want to speak about some, continue our Pukyavot, the ethics of our fathers, some wisdom that you could take with you and some stories that's connected, some nice stuff. So I'm sure you guys will have a, a good time. Tonight is also uh, the day of the Balatanya of anyone who's connected to Chabad. And I'm sure many of you have been uh, being given something good by Chabad. Uh, is thankful to Chabad. Well, the Hasidic mov movement was founded uh, by the Balatanya, and his day is today uh, on Yutet Kislev, just before Hanukkah, when he was freed and when the founding uh, movement of Chabad came. Yes, that. Well, technically, it was founded by oh, the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov, sorry. By yes. the Baal Shem Tov, but like today is for uh, the, either the first or the second uh, Chabad Rebbe. In the dynasty, the, the, so like right. that, they were uh, commemorating his release. It was like his release from prison. Yeah, yeah. That he was in prison. Yeah, it's an amazing story, and it's worth looking into. And um, yes, it's a very special day for that, and uh, it should be a day of redemption for all of us. Everyone that's in their own uh, state of locked temptations, or locked into their world of phone or PS Five or whatever it is. 
God should, uh, with your own mind, help you release yourself from your uh, prisons that you may be in. I'm joking, by the way, about PS5. It's fine, it's fine. But whatever, PS2, if you have a PS2. You're older, so you remember the PS2. PS1, anyone remember? Yeah. Okay, good there times. you go. They're good times. Uh, and the Wii, the Wii. Where's the Wii? Is that still going? Is that, that's yeah, the Xbox. someone's living room. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If he's got his head on, then it's going. You know, if he's got yeah. his uh, VR uh, virtual reality box on his eyes, then it's going. You know? yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. The metaverse. Where the heck are we going? All right. So, um, so, oh, so uh, this is something I've spoken about in the past, but I'll mention it again to like kind of get into the discussion that I want to do. So there's a lot of times we do things and the exact opposite of what we try to do happens. Okay. Um, for instance, uh, let's say there's an argument going on and you see that the argument's not working. Not you, somebody. See that the argument's not working. So what do you do? You start screaming. Shut up, dude! Or whatever it is, right? And you start getting into the argument and it gets heated and it's loud. It's interesting how a lot of times the people that want to show strength, the opposite is achieved. They're showing their weakness. It's exactly what you're trying to do. The opposite comes out of it. Very interesting. It's interesting also in the world that we're in. I've mentioned this a lot of times, but like we've labeled the phone and social media names that the exact opposite of the name is what happened to it. Not always. Okay, don't kill me for this. But it's true. We said it's going to be the social media and it made us less social. Right? We said it's going to be the smartphone. Has it made me any more smart? So, uh, well, they said Facebook, and that really is, you know, face the book, you know, but without, not a book, the phone instead. So they did, they did achieve that, face something. Um, you know, that, that was the goal of Mark Zuckerberg when he was a young, idealistic uh, entrepreneur. He said the goal of Facebook is to bring people together that they can never be together otherwise, which somewhat is true. But then it also, the opposite was achieved, right? So some, excuse me, I hope no one takes this out of video, but so much to metaverse, because who knows where that's going. It's going to be this big, you know, metaverse with VR reality. Everyone's going to walk around like zombies, you know? That's, uh, I wonder where that's going. <laughs> okay, no. So, you know, the goal of that was to do something, but who knows what the opposite is going to be achieved. All, all of our phones just hurt you say bad things about the Oh, that's it. I'm done. I agree. I agree. Not if you disabled the permissions like that. Yeah, but no one's as cool as you to know how to exactly disable the permissions. Does anyone here know how to disable all permissions? I, I'm not cool. You know, they know how to get me. And even if you do, they found, they sued Google recently because they still listen to you, even if they say they don't. Um, Hey, whatever. I don't want to say anything. So, uh, but I've already said something. <laughs> I'm saying on a microphone, for goodness sake. Uh, so, there's a lot of things that we try to do, and the exact opposite happens. And there's a question of why. Sometimes we try and do something, and it happens, it works. But there's a lot of things that we say, okay, we're going to be more social now, and actually, we become less social. Don't get me wrong. Most of what we do is successful because of social media, right? So social media does have its power. You, know, you can get a GoFundMe page that would raise 
hundreds of dollars for people and, and millions of dollars for people that would need it and they would never get the access to that money if not for social media. So, of course, don't get me wrong, it can be used in the right way, but obviously, as human nature does work, we kind of take what we have and we use and abuse, if you'd like to say it that way. But we, we, we are given this opportunity to use it for our benefit, but then a lot of times the opposite happens. Does this resonate with anyone or am I just talking to myself? I once told this to someone and they're like, I, I love my phone. I love my phone. I'm like, fine. You know, okay, okay. So uh, I hope this resonates. If not, well, I'm used to it. So um, uh, this is the language on, in Pekeavot. This is the language of the rabbis and it will tie in somewhat to this. It, this we were, we were, last week we were talking about Hillel, the great Hillel, the most, one of the most humble people of the Jewish people. Moses was known as the most humble. The greater someone is, the more humble they can be. Right? We say that God, in His greatness, we see His humility. Because He created us. He doesn't need us. Right? So the, the greater someone is, the greater the humility they can be. They also, the greater pride they can have, but if they want to conquer themselves and you, you know, use it, they can be the most humble. So Hillel was known as a very humble man. And I'll tell you a bit about him as we go along. But it says, he said like this. He was the one that says, love everyone, be close to everyone, make shalom, be a student of Aaron, bring people close to Judaism, to the Torah. So he says like this. And then he continues and he says like this. He was the leader of the Jewish people and he said, Who are you? He used to say, Negad Shema, Avad Shema. Someone who tries to advance his name will lose his name. Very interesting. That's the language. He said, one who advances his name destroys his name. That's the way that they translate it. I won't say it means destroy, but Negad Shema is like your, 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 your name is just the exact opposite is going to happen. And the question obviously is why? Why is it that when someone basically looks after honor and uh, gets, uh, you know, wants respect, the opposite is actually happening? They don't get respect. Why does that work that way? Hmm? Does anyone know why when it comes to honor, I try and get it and the opposite happens. My honor is diminished from me. I want someone you know, to give me some... Respect of the day. You know, give me some respect. And then sometimes the opposite exactly is achieved. Yeah. You lose self-respect. Yeah, you live, you, you know, by trying to gain respect, you don't, you're kind of showing that you don't have respect for yourself. Well, I mean, you're saying, please respect me because I do want to be respected, but it's kind of like I don't have the self-respect myself that I need to ask for it. It's a bit of a weird conundrum because... It is. It's, everyone wants to be respected... But you also can't really ask for it. But you're oh. taught that you have to be self-sufficient and always, you know, you have to be responsible for getting everything that you want. Exactly. We'll be speaking about that. But you're saying very good. You can't ask for it. Honor and respect is not something that you can ask for. Yes. I think just it's, it's earned, right? And it's earned. A lot of time it's like, you don't watch what people say, but you watch what they do. And so I think that's the ultimate test to see yeah, it's not in theory, it's in action. It's got to be something that you are earning. Actually, our rabbi is saying, we'll learn this later, that those that honor everyone else is the one that's going to get the most respect. So you, 
If you want it, you live by it. Right? If you want respect, you want people to look at, up to you and respect you, then you've got to honor them too. And that applies to children too. Not that the child should demand his parent to respect him, but that's how it works with the child, is if the parent has respect for his child, automatically the child will return with respect back to the parent. And so on and so forth, relationships and many other areas. But that's the language he says. And then he continues. And he says like this, Udelamosif yasif. Somebody who doesn't add wisdom will lose wisdom. That's another thing that he says. <laughs> There's another thing that he says that if you don't do, you will lose it. If you don't add more wisdom, you will lose wisdom. That's kind of strange. You know, at some point you know something and that's it. I know the information. Well, I need to keep knowing it, about it. What does it mean if you don't add, then you lose if you're not adding, you're losing. By the way, this doesn't only apply to spirituality. For sure, applies to spirituality. But not only to spirituality, it applies to many areas in life. Let me give you an example. If you're a doctor and you are 50 years in the business of medicine, so you'd expect the person to be more experienced, right? Because, you know, he's 50 years in the business. He knows, he knows the body well, let's say. But... He was studying in school 50 years ago. And as time progresses, we learn more things. There's many things that we learn in medicine as time goes on. There's mistakes that were made. You've got to keep up to date as a doctor. You can't just say, oh, I once, you know, I remember when I was in college and I remember all what I learned. That's it. I don't need to learn more. It's a mistake. And a rabbi say, not only do you need to learn more, if you don't continue to learn Yasif, eventually what you knew will eventually fall apart. So what you learnt will fall apart. A very important rule. Because studying is not just for when you're in college. Studying is a lifetime experience, especially in Judaism. Look how important it is for him. He continues and says, Someone who doesn't learn every day. He's like, he's death worthy. It's like as if he's dead. He's not living for any reason. Meaning, according to Judaism, and this is what Mark Firestone said last week, if you're not learning every day, you're not living every day. Living means you're learning something new every day. Every day, I got to learn something different. And it's very interesting because, you know, he says that you have to add something. Find a renewal in your learning, not just go back on what you learned already. So let's say the doctor, he can't just say, Okay, let me just remember all that I studied in college. Take out all his books and go over it again every year. Every year that he graduated, make a ceremony and go over everything you studied. That's not enough. A person needs to add onto what he studied back then. Why? And he says, because this is what the commentaries say. Because with renewal, there's excitement. A very important rule. It's not enough just to renew, to, to study what I've learned already in the past. I've got to renew what I've studied. And that's very important for life as well. Not just in the study of Torah, but also in life. A person needs to always, and the way that the fabric of the, of the world is, is that we are able to renew ourselves all the time. Right? The, the day comes, the night comes, we go to sleep, then there's a new morning. 
And there's a new day. The renewal is a big part of our life. And we look for renewal. Right? The new year. And then Rosh Hashanah. Right? That's the real new year. And then uh, Hanukkah is another renewal of lights. We're constantly looking for renewal. By the way, in, in a relationship, you've also got to find the sense of renewal in the relationship, which means that you've got to find something that you're looking forward to. You can't just be in the same pattern of life or throughout your... You have to have something that you're looking forward to. Otherwise, eventually, you're not adding, you're diminishing. So this is not only a rule to study of Torah, which is the rule of life, that you've got to study something new every day, but also a rule in life on all, on all spectrums. If you're not adding, if you're not feeling like you're renewing, eventually you're going to go down. You'll get, start getting depressed. It says, uh, it says like this. Oh, it says like when you, when you build something, right, you're always adding onto the, what you have already. So you have a building, you have the foundations, and you start adding as you, you build on the building. Right? You, you keep going up and up and up. When you're adding something new, you're adding on to what you have already. This is a very important concept. When you renew information in your mind, something that you already knew, but now you're looking for more about that topic, you're not forgetting. It, it will help you remember all the stuff you learned till now. The doctor that's constantly researching and trying to find out new studies or whatever it is in medicine is able to remember also all the things that he learned till now. It will help his memory of everything he learned because he's adding. That's what he's saying. By the point of adding information to you, you're also remembering the information that you learned till now. And by the way, this is very important also for uh, mental health. You know, everyone at some point loses their memory. And, uh, you know, memory does diminish as we get older physically. But if I'm able to constantly feel that in, throughout my life, I didn't just go through the habit of routine, of the monotonous, but I also had that sense of renewal in my life, I will actually also enjoy what I have already. I will be able to strengthen my wisdom, strengthen my knowledge, strengthen everything will be much better. So renewal is something that we always look for in Judaism. And uh, the books of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, who talks about hope and strength and not being depressed, talks a lot about this concept of renewal. Hitchatshut in Hebrew is like looking for the chidush, looking for the, the new excitement, the new change. And that's something that you can find not in big things. I don't have to do something major. You know what it's like? It's like working out. This is a great example. You work out and you push, you push weight, and eventually you hit a certain weight that you can push. And you say, okay, that's it. I'm not pushing anymore. And you do the same amount of weight every day. Or you go jogging. This would resonate with some people because I did it at some point. You, you jog and you say, okay, every day I'm jogging five miles. And then eventually you start putting on weight again. You're like, what, what's going on? Why am I losing? I'm doing the same five miles every day and I'm, not, and I'm not losing weight. What's going on? And the answer is the body gets used to it. Right? The body gets used to it, and then that jog of five miles is easy. You don't even sweat anymore. I, re I remember there's like, there were periods of time when I'm, I try all types of things to try and lose weight. The best way is just to stop eating. But somehow, <laughs> somehow I keep forgetting. Right? But that's the main, main way. But I, I'm always trying to do something else to stay, stay healthy. Like, you know, so, so you go, 
you go jog. There was a period of time where I was like into jogging. So I'm jogging, jogging, jogging. And eventually I'm like, okay, I can't, I don't have time to jog more than five miles, you know, like, hello, I have a life. So I jog the same amount every time. And then I realized, hey, I'm, I'm actually not losing any weight. I'm putting on weight. And the reason is because I'm not even sweating anymore on the jog. I got used to it. So that's how it is also. If you're not adding, you're losing. And isn't that true in business too? Right? If you're not adding, you're losing. Any business, it's either going up or it's going down. There's no such thing as static. And that's why people get upset with Amazon. You know, how much greed? How much money do they need? But the truth is, every company needs to constantly look for other ways to be the unique company. Otherwise, someone else is going to say, hey, I can do what you do much better. And uh, they will. And by the way, it will happen at some point. Someone will take over. You know, uh, I don't know, whatever. But, you know, there's no such thing as having a monopoly and saying, okay, this is my monopoly. This is my business. And no one else is ever going to have the same idea as me. And, um, you know, you could copyright it. But then they'll find a loophole and come out with another way of, bringing it and eventually it falls. So um, that's, that's one of the problems of being at the top. It's a big challenge being at the top, right? It's lonely when you're at the top of the mountain. So when you're very successful, you're, you're not thinking out of your box at some point. You're saying, okay, we're the ones that, that we're getting everything. We're not thinking out of the box, but eventually what happens, someone else comes up and says, hey, I could do the same thing. You guys are getting way too greedy, Amazon. Right, And we can open the same thing for much less price. Somehow the prices keep going up and we could do the same thing. You know, It used to be that Amazon was like, okay, I know I have to wait two days, but it's so much cheaper. And now it's like, oh, it's the same price as the store. In fact, some, it's actually got to a point where it's actually, it's actually more expensive. Oh no. So at some point, a business has to keep growing. And if not, Yosef. If it's not growing, it will fall eventually. And that's how it works with us spiritually as well. If I'm not growing spiritually as a person, I say, you know what? I worked on myself. I conquered my ego. I conquered you know, somewhat. And I conquered my... And that's it. I'm, I'm, and that's it. I'm stuck with where I am. I'm 25, 26. That's it. I'm never going to change in any way. But is that true? Do I want to look at myself at 75 years old as the same person as I was when I was 25? If I look back one day and I say, when I was 25, I'm exactly the same as I am when I'm 75, I would feel, I would feel some regret. Right? Because you want to be growing every day. If you're not growing, you're going down. So uh, that's a, a scary thought, but it's reality. Some people don't like it, but it's just that's how life is. And it's like that across all the spectrum of life. And uh, what does he say at the end? He says, This is a this is a great story. Once I was sitting on a Shabbat table. I sat on many Shabbat tables, but there was one. Uh, and someone was came up to me next to me, he's not wasn't so involved with us and wasn't so positive about being Jewish. Was this here uh, in Oregon? It was in Oregon. He wasn't so positive about his Judaism. And he says to me, listen, Rabbi, I have a question for you. You know, you're a rabbi. So what do the rabbis say about 
the rabbis. <laughs> what, where's this going? So he says, um, he says, well, you know, like in Judaism, there's like there's there's a, a rabbi who's a teacher. But what are the rules for the teachers? You know, it's like. You have a government. Who's running the government? Who's running the rules for the government? Are they above the law? Yeah. Judaism, in his eyes, that's what I understood based on the question, is somewhat primitive. And they don't have a system for the people above the law. You know, for the rabbis. Now, don't get me wrong. If the higher someone is, the more they can fall. The more someone grows with themselves, the more they can hurt themselves, right? If you go up the mountain... And you fall at the top, that's worse than when you fall at the bottom of the mountain, right? If you're at the bottom of the mountain, you fall, okay, whatever. If you're at the top and you fall, and it's a deep cliff, that's a long fall. It says, Kol ha-gadol yitzro gadol hemenu. Anyone who's greater than his friend, his inclinations are greater. The bigger someone, the greater someone is as a person, right? More controlled, more uh, composed the greater someone is, the more inclinations he has, the more desires he will have because he's now challenged with pride and ego and many other things that come in his way. How dare you speak to me this way? I look who I am. Right? So there is that aspect and that's for sure a problem. But listen to this. This is the language of Hillel who was the greatest rabbi and he says, anyone who uses the crown of their knowledge, meaning anyone who uses their Judaism, in order to gain things, chalaf will perish. Eventually, that's the worst. He says, basically, any rabbi that uses his knowledge in order to gain power, chalaf will eventually perish. He'll never be remembered. It's the only the ones that are remembered as great people that never use what they know as a form of getting something. And by the way, this is not just, this is not just, in Judaism, I always say this, but it's true. It's not just in Judaism, it's in all aspects. Have you ever heard of the sun? Imagine, let me ask you a question. Imagine the sun of, um, okay, that's a bad example. Well, yeah, the son of Will Smith. I hope he doesn't watch this video. <laughs> he might, you know, I'm cool. The son of Will Smith. I'm also trying to lose weight. The son of Will Smith. I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about. But anyway, but, um, Will, Will Smith, I once met him, actually when he was filming this Richard video that he's doing with tennis. You know that video that he's making, his signs everywhere? Was it King Richard? Have you anyone heard of the story? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Everything I say, no one, under, no one knows what I'm talking about today. Are you just not awake or what? what? Have you... Are you not woke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they played some tennis. It used to be because we used to live all the way by Roxbury Drive. So I would jog to, you know, by the, where the Fox, good times, this is way better, by Fox Studios, you know, there's a park there, right, Do you, what's that park called, uh, not the Roxbury Park, the other one, huh, Rancho Park, Rancho Park, so there's a tennis court over there, anyone play tennis, hello, okay, finally, someone's answering me, so a tennis court up there, and I jog, I'm jogging past, I'm actually with Abraham, pulling him along, and I suddenly meet Will Smith, I'm like, yo, I actually wasn't, yo. I was like, you look like Will Smith. I couldn't believe it was him. So he says to me, <laughs> uh, apparently, apparently he's got this like deep laugh. He's like, that's what they call me. And um, so anyways, it was, a, it was a great experience. And um, 
what was I saying about him? So imagine his little kid in school. He would never want, it, it's very hard to hide it, but he would never want to be known as the son of Will Smith, you know? Or, you know, you know why? Because it's like, I don't have an identity anymore. Oh, every, all day long. They don't even call him his name. What's his son's name? I don't know. What? What? Oh. It proves it, you know? Exactly, it proves my point. It's like he walks into school and everyone's like, hey, that's Will Smith's son, you know? And the teacher's like, hey, you're Will Smith's son. He kind of like diminishes the kid's identity because he's got somebody else as his strength, you know? It's, everyone looks at him and says, oh, that's your dad's son. It's like also, this happens sometimes, where there's a, uh, sisters and one's a year older than the other one. So the, the one that's a year older, why is everyone laughing? Okay, oh, we have two sisters here. Okay, this is perfect. Tell me this is true. Who's the younger one? Okay. Okay, so... So, so basically, every time... Someone, but you guys don't look that much alike. There are people that look, maybe, I mean, a bit. But there's, there's some people that look like it's identical, right? And then, and then they walk into the room and everyone's like, oh, I'm the sister of, you know, so-and-so. And instead of being called their own name, it's like, and they get eventually frustrated. It's like, you know, I have my own name. Hello. Yeah, I am who I am, you know, like, look at me. So, so that's, that's what happens a lot um, when, when you're attached to someone else that's not who you are yourself. So the Talmud says that, uh, Hillel said, that no matter how much you know, never use your knowledge as a platform to gain things. That's what it says. It says, obviously, to bring people closer and to grow, of course, you should use it for that purpose. But never use it as a, as a purpose to gain things. The language of the Talmud is, Don't use it, your knowledge and the Torah that you know, as a crown, to be crowned amongst people. Not as a hammer, to dig with them or cut wood with it. Don't use yourself, what you know, as a form of telling people, oh, you're, you know. So when he asked me, this guy asked me in Oregon, Hey, Rabbi, what's the law for the rabbis? I told him this statement. I said, uh, somebody who uses Judaism, the rabbis themselves said, if you use Judaism for your own benefit, Khalef, you'll eventually perish. The only way it works is if you're humble. And it goes back to the original point. If you are who you, you are yourself and not trying to gain honor and ego and respect, then honor will come to you as well and you will get it. Okay, so that's some of the ideas of the, one of the statements of Mishnah 13. This is one of the statements of Hillel. We're going to move on to another statement which is very famous. You've all heard it before. This is what he said. Hu haya omer. Hillel again said, Im en anili mi li. If I'm not for myself, then who will be for me? Ukshe ani me, And when I am only for myself, ma ani, then what am I? If I'm not for myself, who will be for me? And if I'm only for myself, then what am I? And then he finally says, And if not now, if you don't get stuff done now, then 
when will you? Now is the time to change. They say the best time to change is 20 years ago and today. Today is the second day, right? How's the same one go? The best time to plant a tree. The best time was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. I'm not sure that's a Chinese proverb. Oh, really? Okay, well, it's not a Jewish one. No, 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 not at all. The Talmud says a person should learn from the wisdom of the, of the world. A person should actually make an effort to learn the wisdom of the world. On condition, it's not their wisdom and their interpretations of the Torah. Right, because that part you won't, don't listen to. But the interpretation and the wisdom of the world, you should try and learn, of course. It's very important. But it says, he said, that's why he said, if not now, then when? Don't say, ah, later on I'll do it. Ah, as time goes on, things get harder. They don't get easier. They get more difficult and more challenging. Suddenly you have kids, and then you have this, and you have that, and it's even harder to do it. So if you say to yourself, okay, I want to open my own business one day. Well, probably the time is now. Because later on, it's just going to get harder to do it, not easier. Okay, within the realm of it being possible. You get married before you settle into your habits to, to do for your parents. Yeah, there's a, there's a discussion. Some people say, uh, get married first and then grow in your marriage. But the, there is a Maimonides that says, you know, before you do get married, you have to have something. You can't just dive straight in blindly. You have to have some direction. So... With the balance, of course, that's, that's what makes sense. He's, you know, uh, no one says you have to have a massive house and a gorgeous home in order to be married. There's some people that think, when I, I'm not ready for marriage. Why? Because, you know, I'm not st- I don't have a, a set home. So who says, I don't have my Mercedes. Who says you're going to have your beautiful mansion when you're 50? Who says you're going to guarantee to have a mansion? You know, it doesn't always work for everyone. So that's it. I'm never going to get married because of that. Never going to move on with my life. It's, in a way, it's a mistake. By the way, some people say to me, I don't know how I'll... Ma- right now, I don't think I can ever marry. I say, why not? You're renting an apartment. And the odds are, she's also renting an apartment. So if you both move in together, does that double the, the cost or the half the cost? I don't get it. <laughs> Depends on what kind of apartment you end up living in. Okay. We started off in one room. Was it worth it? Look at, look at what's going on here. We started off in one bedroom. That's, how, that's what we had. It was literally as small as, as uh, from the table there to and that, this, you know, that, that square. From the end of the kitchen in Israel, in Yerushalayim. We lived in a very, very small apartment. But you know what? Was it worth it? Of course. If it's possible, obviously. If it's possible to do it, you know... This is the rule. As long as you have a direction. No one says that you have to have uh, security for the next 20 years ahead in terms of how much money you have. And because who says you'll ever have it? Right? But as long as you have some kind of security. No one says also to be 18 years old and propose and uh, not even have a plan of how you're going to survive. You know, that's also crazy. But obviously within the right... Uh, boundaries, you have a direction of where you're going, you have a job, you see that you can survive a job, right? You've tried, you've lived in a job, you lived in a, in, a, in a society for a while, you know that you can do it, and she knows she can do it, then why wouldn't, you can even rent an apartment, so if you find the right one, there's no reason to hold back from moving in. It, 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 to me, it's very obvious. But only after you get married, right? To do what? 
This is, I'm talking about before getting married. Oh, to move in, yeah, for sure. For sure. Only move in after marriage, yes. Yes. No, I was trying to get ideas. We have, a, we have actually have a couple that's here that got, got married through Aishalit. I'm so, just yeah. saying, when I saw Sheila, I'm like, yo, I don't have no job, I don't have no place to live. <laughs> and then like two days before, like, we were going to get married, that's when I found everything. Then I realized, you know what, you can have everything tomorrow, you can have nothing tomorrow. You just have to make that step. Once you decide to get married, once you nice. decide, you know, I didn't have any job. She's like, how are you going to survive me? I'm like, <laughs> and then after six months, I'm like the manager of the, the food truck. I can do whatever I want with the food truck. I'm making good income with the food truck. You know, I didn't have that before I got married. Right. So yeah, you just got to take it that all, next step. It all step. comes together. You just got to oh. take that next step. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. That's Guys, that was beautiful. This is what my mom said. You got to get up, you got to go there, and you got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you say it, man. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now right. Over. Now. I'm just saying, you think you're gonna have a lot of stuff before you get married? No, you just need to get married. You gotta find the queen, and then you gotta build the castle. Right. You gotta find the queen. All right. So my blessing is to everyone. Well, our blessing to everyone is find your prince and find your queen. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's that's that's. Yeah, I already found a bunch of queens now. Okay. A king, sorry. Prince and princess, whatever. My English. Uh, so next, blame it. So he says like this. Oh, based on what we just said, if I'm not for myself, then who will be for me? If I'm not for myself, then who will be for me? And if I'm only for myself, then what am I? The idea basically is, look after yourself. Don't rely on anyone. That's rule number one. Rule number one is, if I'm not going to get up, no one's going to get up for me. Right? If I'm not going to help myself, no one's going to help me. And that's the mindset that everyone needs to have. Responsibility, responsibility, and no entitlement. That's a very Jewish value. It's like, I'm going to do everything I can to make myself, just to be responsible, not rely on anyone. That's Imen If I'm not for myself, then who will be for me? And then he says, me. But if I'm only stuck to myself, focused on taking responsibility, looking after myself, caring only for the individual, then what will I be? A man that made some money and looked after himself. But then what am I at the end of the day? What did I do? What did I achieve? I'm just myself. So if I'm only for myself, then what, what am I? I should be there for others as well. Never ignore my friends, my family, my parents. There's going to be a time where your parents need you. They can't, they, they, they'll be embarrassed to ask you for their company because they say, no, they're busy. They're trying to work out their life too. But we've got to jump ahead before they think that, right? So our parents, our family, our friends... They're the ones that also, if I'm only thinking about myself, then what am I? No one's going to value me at all. And my life will have no value either. A life where someone spends his entirety focused on his career and himself and everything about me, 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 is a life where someone will look back and say, why did I do this? There was just someone that came this week was telling me that his grandfather, uh, his grandfather passed away and... His whole life, he was very focused on his business, surviving, making money. 
He was day and night, Saturday, Shabbat, Sunday, all week, never with his family. And eventually, before he passed away, he was like 80, and he told his grandson, don't make the mistake I made. He, this, some, someone told me this this week. Don't make the mistake that I made, his grandfather told him. Don't be a person that only thinks of yourself. Be a person that also is there for the others around you. So that's the language. That's the basic explanation of what he says. If I'm only for myself, then what am I? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm a person that just cares for myself, then what am I? But there's some other things that you can learn from this. First of all, like this. There's another lesson that you can learn from it. And I'll tell you one or two stories and we'll finish. There's another lesson. Who comes first? The other people or yourself? Secure your own, right? Secure yourself. It says first, what's the first statement? If I'm not for myself, then who will be for me? Meaning, look after yourself first. Those that are closest to you first. Then, settle yourself and then worry about others. But first, focus on yourself. Focus about others, but also remember that you come first. That's a value in Judaism. Don't live a life where you're there for others and they're not building your own home. That's, by the way, a statement that I say when people tell me, um, should I adopt? Uh, why should I have children? Why, why is it not better if I ad- adopt a child? I say to them, it's like saying, why should I ever build my own house? I should go, work, and then go to someone else and say, I'll build your house instead. Let me build your house for you. Me? Ah, I don't need a house. I'll build yours. They're coming from a different perspective. They're saying... You know, it's bad for the environment to have more children in the world. But that's another whole discussion. I don't even want to get into it. So, but that's, that's where they're coming from. But that's, uh... Anyway, here's a story of Hillel. We're talking about Hillel. Hillel was the one that said this. If I'm only for myself, then what am I? And if I'm not for myself, then who am I? Who will be for me? I have to take over my life, right? I have to take charge of my life. He said like this. Who was Hillel? Listen to this statement. Mind-blowing. So the Torah tells me that you should help the poor, right? You should give tzedakah. This is the language. It doesn't just say give charity. It says like this. It says, Ki lo. If you have a poor person in your city, in your, in, your, in your house, in your city, it gives a whole list of places starting with closest to you because charity starts with those that are closest to you. That's why it gives a whole list first. But then he says like this. The Torah says in Deuteronomy, Ki Open your hands to him. Meaning jump to him first before he asks you. And also give him, if he doesn't ask for money, then maybe lend him. If he needs it, try and maybe lend him also. That's also a mitzvah. Whatever he's lacking, which is lacking to him. And a rabbi say, what does it mean whatever he's lacking? You're only required to give money to somebody that he should be able to survive. You're not required to give money to somebody that he should come wealthy. Somebody who's poor, don't, no one says you have to make him wealthy now. Hey, let's make the poor wealthy. Give him enough. Charity is to give enough that the person can survive. No one requires us to go to the poor person and start making them wealthy as well. Right? That's what, that's, that's what the Torah says. And then... The rabbis say what he's lacking. What does it mean what he's lacking? Even if he needs a horse to ride on. And he used to have a servant that would run with the horse in front of him. And this is what Hillel 
Because the rabbis say, and this is the halakha of Jewish law, that if a rich, if a wealthy person loses his money, you have to help him based on how he used to be. If a poor person loses his money, so the standards that he's used to is not so bad. You pay him, you help him to get back on his feet the way that he used to be. But a very wealthy person that loses money, that loses everything, he needs more tzedakah, more charity than a poor person. Yes? What if a poor person becomes really wealthy and then loses it? So then, based on where he was, his standards became the standards of being wealthy, even more so. Because he was poor, he knows what that felt like. Then he became wealthy, and you know now he felt the luxury of his wealth, and suddenly he lost it all. Our rabbis say, whatever he was, that's what you have to lift him back up to. Okay, so try and help him become that as well. So they say about Hillel, listen to this. Hillel was the chief, the head of the Jewish people, the greatest of the greats. Look what he did. He saw a friend, uh, somebody he knew who was very, very wealthy. And he became poor. Someone he knew who became poor and was extremely wealthy. In those days, the disparity between the wealthy and the poor was great. Tremendous wealth. So what did he do? He hired, he got him a horse and he hired, he paid daily for someone to walk the horse in front of him. That's the way it used to be. Someone who was wealthy, he would, tra- he would walk around town, have a horse and someone pulling the horse for him also. So he would pay for the horse and for someone to walk in front of the horse and pull it the way that this wealthy person used to be. And for months and years on end, he would do the same thing. Daily, he'd pay for the guy to come and pull his horse whenever he needed it. And it was from Hillel's pocket. And one day, he had no one to pull the horse for this poor person. Hillel's busy. He's the leader of the Jewish people. He's got a lot going on. But this poor person who used to be wealthy was used to being pulled with a horse. And there was a person missing. There was no one able to do it that day, to pull the horse for him. Hillel decided to do it himself. (laughs) He gets out of his position, of his home, and he pulls the horse, and the rabbis say it was shalosh mil, it was three miles at least. Three miles he ran, pulling this horse. Everyone was like, what? Rabbi, what are you doing? And here he goes, he's pulling the horse of somebody that one day missed, he didn't have the guy to pull him. He said, I'll do it. Who is it for? Someone who was once wealthy and now went poor, and he's giving him a horse, he needs someone to pull the horse. The most mundane thing. But Hillel said, no, that's what he needs. Because that's what he was used to. That's the humility and the greatness. The greatness is he was the leading rabbi of the Jewish people. And yet people would watch him running with a horse. Like, what's going on? So that's in the greatness you see the humility also. That's the statement that we were talking about. So that's, that's the statement that he said. And he says, if not now, then wait. Don't procrastinate. We said like last time and Eitan was mentioning it. Like it says in the verse, It says in Tehillim that the children are like trees. We're all like trees. And the younger the tree is, the more flexible the tree is. Right? At the beginning, when the tree's new, you can move it in any direction you want. But as the tree grows and becomes older, it's harder for it to change. And that, by the way, Omri, is another reason why getting married as early as possible is important. Don't say, oh, one day I'll be married. Because the more, 
the more set you are in your ways, the more difficult it is to change for the other. And that's why it's important to always work towards finding your spouse, not just someone to mess around with, but also to look for someone that you can actually commit to for life. Okay? So that's, that's what it says. If not now, then when? Don't wait. And that's, that's what he says. The younger we are, the easier it is for us to change. But what's the problem? When someone's young, you say, ah, who thinks of age and death and being old? Ah, I have another 50 years to live. Another 50 years. 50 yeah, I don't years. Like it, old. It's, 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 it is, but 50 is not long. Right? We're all, we're all halfway there, if not more. Right? So it's not that long. Life is short. Don't say, it says, according to Jewish tradition, by the way, the reason why, according to Jewish tradition, it used to be that people lived longer. I don't know if you know the Bible story, but at the beginning of the Torah, people lived much, much longer. And as time went on, people lived for less. People don't believe me, but whatever. But that's the Jewish tradition. We used to live longer, now we live shorter. Why? I'm not talking about 100 years ago. 100 years ago, there were more diseases and everything. Now we're a bit healthier. Talk about 6,000 years ago. Yes. But thousands and thousands of years ago, people lived for very long. And life got shorter. Why? The Torah says, When you live till 600, you say, Ah, I'm only 100 years. Well, I have another 500 now. Life's chill. Let's just, uh, let's go to the next party. Dude, when are you going to the next party? Uh, you can't even go to one. You go to one, after one hour, you're like, let's go to the next one. You go to the next one, right? You know, you know what it's like in college. You go to one party, you go to one frat party, after an hour, you're like, guys, you going, you going? That's how it used to be for us on Shabbat. We used to make this massive table, 70, 80 people, and then all of a sudden, just like, Slight, this is, you know, disappear. I'm like, yo, wait, I've got to do the benching, you know. <laughs> They're all gone. They've got this sorority thing that they committed to, and it's a date night. My foot, date night. It's not going anywhere, this date, right, I'm in frat life. Anyway, it's just a haze. It's another haze. That's what it is. Anyway, so... <laughs> So don't, don't procrastinate. Don't wait. That's, that's the saying of Hillel. If not now, then when will it be? Because we never know when it will be. And by the way, it says, there's a, there's a famous story of Rabbi Eliezer in the Talmud. He says, in the Talmud of Shabbat, he says to his uh, students, he says to them, Come back one day before you die. Just one day. So they said to him, Rabbi, does anyone know when they're going to die? He says, oh, that's exactly the point. You never know when you're going to die. So every day, treat it like as if it's your last. And that's what it says in Kohelet. Shlomo Melech says, Every day, every moment, you should have white clothes, beautiful white clothing. Never remove oil from your face. Meaning, look to the teeth. Every day, look like you had a haircut. Every day, look like you're a million dollars. Why? Some people take that literally. But he doesn't mean this literally. A rabbi say, what's it like? What does this mean? He says, 
The example is, this is what the Gemara says, the Talmud says, the example is like a king. He, the king says to his, his followers, guys, we're making a massive feast. And they say, okay, but he doesn't say when. The smart people, they go home immediately and they put on their best clothing. The others, they say, eh, who knows when this party's going to be? And they go back to work. They put back on their clothes of work and they start working. After a few hours, the king says, Yala. He's an Israeli king. Yala. <laughs> come in. Everyone, come in. And the ones that were dressed and were smart with white clothing, they come in. They feel good. Psh, cologne. They smell great. Ah, oils on their face or makeup, whatever you call it. And they're walking in. And they feel great. And the ones that came from work and they were doing other things, eh, they walked in and they said, ah, you know, I thought it was going to be another few weeks, but they walk in and their clothes are dirty and they're not ready. That's what he's saying. In life as well, a person should always know that you never know when your last day will be. So therefore, treat every day as if it might be your last. Make the most out of it. I'm sorry, this sounds a bit heavy, but... This is the language of Shlomo Melech in Kohelet, which is at the end of his life, before he passed away. It's a very strong language he uses. And he says that a person should always treat each day and don't say, someone else will do it for me. Someone else will fix it for me. I can do it. I'll do it. You know, I I remember once when I was a kid, I was asking my rabbi, you know, uh, do we really need more rabbis? Like, there's quite a few of them. Do we really need more? He said to me, does a doctor say, do we need more doctors? There's already a few of them, right? Does, it's true that there are many of those already, but you are you and you can be your own unique you in your own way. And that's what it says. Don't say, oh, somebody else is doing that business. Why should I do it? Somebody else can do it. Why, why should I do it? No, if they can do it, you can do it. And you know what? If it's not going to be you, no one else is going to... You've got to lift up you. You've got to change you. And that's the language that Hillel taught because he was the man that lived to that hit the most. He started from nothing and became the leader of the Jewish people. Anyway, so that's uh, my teachings for today. I hope you guys enjoyed. And um, please, if you have any questions or anything you want to share, maybe Aaron... <laughs> or you're done for today okay anything you want to share uh, that would be nice but anyway I think we're done for the day thank you thank you thank you thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.